You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. question is, can you imagine if Samson had gone along with God and done God's biddings and, and done the things that God wanted them to do and been the man God wanted them to be? Can you imagine what God would have done at that time? Totally walking with God through the Holy Spirit. I have to ask the question of myself, and I would like you to ask the question of yourself. Are you giving everything to God? There's not very many of us who can say that we've never had a what-if moment at some point in our lives. From missed opportunities or otherwise, we sometimes can't help but look back and wonder. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the what-if regarding Samson's life and what it would look like if he were wholly committed to the Lord. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 14. As he begins his message, the light begins to flicker. We saw last week as we studied chapter 13 that Samson was born in unusual circumstances. He was born to a barren mother who had no children and the Lord blessed her completely. Um, We saw how um, the angel of the Lord came down and that, that whole thing. But we noticed that the Lord was going to use this man. We're going to find out that he's going to use this man to take away Israel's oppression Israel is being oppressed now for 40 years by the Philistines. And, he's, and they're under these oppressions. But we also saw last week that Samson was a man of contrasts. We talked about that. He was a man of contrast. He was a man of great strength. He was a man of great weaknesses as well. He was a man chosen by God, but he was a man in rebellion to God. He was a man who was unpredictable and he was undependable. He was a man who had one foot in the things of the world and one foot in the things of God. When we look at Samson, we're going to see a man who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we're going to see tonight that he yielded his body to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and to the pride of life. Now as we study Samson, the question on our mind should be, what could have been accomplished? If God used Samson mightily, and you're going to find out as we study these next three chapters, that God uses Samson mightily, and it talks about how God is going to use him to come against the Philistines. He's God's choice to deliver Israel from the Philistines. But we're going to find out that Samson is a man of contrast, and he has all these failures, and he has all these problems, and God still used them, and still used them mightily. My question is, can you imagine if Samson had gone along with God and done God's biddings and and done the things that God wanted them to do and been the man God wanted them to be? Can you imagine what God would have done at that time? Totally walking with God through the Holy Spirit. I have to ask the question of myself, and I would like you to ask the question of yourself. Are you giving everything to God? 
Are you giving all of your life and all of you to God? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to have total access to your life? Or are you grieving the Spirit? Quenching the Spirit? Ignoring the Spirit? Think about it. Ask the Lord this question. Lord, if if I gave you everything, if I gave you all of me, what could you accomplish? Think about that. Now, I have found in my own life that as I began to yield to the Spirit and allow Him to control my life on a daily basis, I did have the power to do what I was unable to do before. I had the power to say no to sin. I had the power to resist temptation. Through the Spirit, I was able to understand Scriptures. Through the Spirit, I was able to enjoy a healthy prayer life. And through the Spirit, I was able to share my faith effectively with others. And I had joy in the midst of my trials and in the midst of hard circumstances. It all came to me by yielding to the Holy Spirit in my life. And the influence that the Holy Spirit played upon my life and is playing upon my life today. And as I yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I began to understand what the abundant life that Jesus Christ was talking about. The thief comes to kill Steal and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Many people think, oh, an abundant life. Man, I can have a yacht. I can have a big old house on the beach. All this stuff. That unfortunately might be the abundant life to some. But if you talk to those people who think that that is abundant life, you'll find that they are very, very empty inside and there's nothing there. The abundant life that Christ came to give me was more of him and him in my life. Oh, how we need to understand the incredible resource that we've been given, the Holy Spirit. We need to understand it and how he can empower us in our lives on a continual basis, not just a one-time shot. It's not just a one-time shot. He can continually empower us on a continual basis. So as we now come to chapter 14, we begin to see this unreliable character of Samson come to light. This man of contrast that we talked about. But even more than that, I want to point out the incredible faithfulness of God. I mean, we're going to see all of Samson's failures up close and personal. We're going to see them all. But never, ever forget how faithful God was in the midst of all of this. He continued to work in Samson despite of his shortcomings. Gives me great hope. (laughs) Gives me great solace. And we see this life that started out so bright. A light that was announced by the angel of God himself, the angel of the Lord, who we believe is Jesus Christ, the epiphany. The angel of the Lord announced that this birth would happen. And he gave specific instructions about this child that would be born and and what mom and dad were supposed to do for this child. And even beginning as mom was pregnant, what she could do and what she couldn't do for this child to be born. And this beautiful life that was born, this beautiful life that was consecrated and dedicated to God even before conception. The light now starts to flicker. The light starts to kind of flicker a little bit. God had a plan for Samson's life. 
He was going to use Samson to free Israel from the Philistine oppression that was going on for 40 some odd years. 40 some odd years. What really is interesting to me is that when the Spirit inspired the writer of the book of Hebrews, once again in Hebrews 11.32, we see a familiar name there. Remember, chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews is known as the Hall of Faith. Talks about the faith of the fathers and the faith of all the people. Well, in verse 32, in chapter 11, it mentions Samson's name. Along with Gideon, along with Barak, along with Japheth. Those names are mentioned there. I like what one commentator said. He said, Samson may have been a man of faith, but he was not a faithful man. He was a man of contrasts. He was a man of contrast. So as we begin, we look at these notable failures in his life, but he's listed there. What does that tell us? It tells us God can use even weak faith. God can use even the weakest faith. And I think that weak faith is even better, much better than unbelief. God can use it. He starts to rebel against three things. He starts to rebel against his parents. He starts to rebel against the Nazarite vow. And he starts to rebel against God's law. The Lord has bestowed upon Samson mighty gifts. But excuse my French, Samson is hell-bent to lose these gifts in any in a mighty way. He is bent to lose these things. And he's just a man with wild passions and he's uncontrollable urges. So the first thing that we see that happen in the first three verses is Samson's disrespect for his parents. Let's look at verses 1 through 3, chapter 14. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren? Or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Sadly, Samson seems to have forgotten his upbringing. He seems to have forgotten from whence he has come. He seems to have forgotten all the beauty that took place before he was born. He seems to have forgotten his godly parents and the heritage that they left him. He demanded his parents to get this woman for her. He saw her. He was pleased with her. He desired her. And he said to his parents, get her for me. His parents counseled him. As good parents, godly parents will do. Can't you take one from our own people? Can't you take one from the brethren around you? But he shows this sinful disregard for his parents. A sinful disregard to God's will. In Deuteronomy 7, in verses 3 and 4, as Moses is recording the law, he's talking about this. And he says, you shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. He's talking about these foreign tribes. I'm in verse 2 of chapter 7. Verse 3, nor shall you make marriages with them, 
You shall not give your daughter to their son nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. So here you have Samson going directly against God's word. Directly against his parents, whatever happened to commandment number four. Honor your mother and father. So he's going directly against that. He refuses their counsel. In fact, he says, get her for she pleases me. Lust of the eye. Lust of the eye. A couple things I want to note out here. Samson wandered into enemy territory by going down to Timnah. Timnah was some four miles into enemy territory. And what I get from this is he was where he didn't belong. Oh, how we get in trouble when we go where we don't belong. When we start going places we don't belong. And I'm thinking right now of the internet. When you start going on places you don't belong in the internet, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. I have an example of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. David. King David. King David was supposed to be in front of his troops and battle. Where was he? Hanging around the temple, hanging around his house. He needed a break. He needed to chill out. Sitting in a hammock, smoking a cigar, eating some bonbons. He needed to chill out. He had a rough life being a king. He needed some time off. So he took some time off. His men were out there fighting a battle, fighting war, but he was taking the time off. Got tired of sitting in the hammock, wanted to go get some more bonbons out of the refrigerator, so he got up and he took a walk on the balcony. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Looks off of the balcony and Woza! There's a woman down there. Bathsheba. And the rest, they say, is history. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was where he shouldn't be. He was in a place where he shouldn't be. There are places where we should not go. There are places where we should not venture. The Lord was obviously not a priority in Samson's life. He chooses this woman without consulting the Lord. Without consulting the Lord. But we see in verse 4 that God's plan will never be thwarted. God's plan will not be stopped by anyone. Even Satan, when he tries to get People to do certain things. God's plan will not be thwarted. Look at verse 4 as we read. But his mother and father did not know that it was of the Lord, that he, the Lord, was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. What Samson meant for evil, God meant for good. God was working in this way. It's interesting. Remember one of the things we said was interesting about this cycle? Remember the cycle? Remember we talked about it the entire time, all 14 chapters of Judges. We talked about disciple, disobedience, right? Discipline, despair, and deliverance. Remember, we talked about it. You're probably getting tired of me saying it. Well, in this one, there was no despair. Never is it recorded that Israel cried out to God, Oh, God, deliver us from the Philistines. Get rid of us from the Philistines, please. There was no, none of that. There was none of that. There was none of that. But God had a plan. He was going to use Samson in a mighty way. He was going to use Samson in a mighty, mighty way. 
God will not be thwarted. He will work out his plans in spite of us. He will do things like it. Because of what was going to happen, many Philistines were going to die. Once again, I have to ask you the question, if God can bring this type of good out of poor choices, can you imagine how much better it would be if we made the right choice? Would that we could, right? Would that we would make those choices? In verses 5 through 9, Samson now disgraces his Nazarite vow. Samson disgraces his Nazarite vow. Turn to number 6 for a minute, please. Turn to number 6. Turn to number 6. In number 6, verses 1 through 4, just talks a little bit about this vow. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, whether when either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take up the vow of the Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. And he shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice or eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from the seed of skin. Let's read 5 through 9 and see what Samson does. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, he returned to her, get her. He turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of them in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his mother and father, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them where he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So several things are happening here that are against the Nazarite vow. We didn't read all the way in Numbers, but if you go down in Numbers, one of the things that they weren't supposed to do was they weren't supposed to have anything to do with dead bodies, dead animals. And then they were supposed to get their hair grow, and they weren't supposed to shave their head. They weren't supposed to shave their head. Samson was dedicated to the Lord in chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, as a vow of the Nazarite. He was supposed to have nothing to do with the vine. So I guess my question is, what in the Sam snot is he doing in a vineyard? First of all, he's not where he's supposed to be, walking down the Timna, and he goes walking through a vineyard. Dangerous. He's on dangerous ground, not holy ground. He's on dangerous ground. He leaves the main road and goes to the vineyard. Nazarite vow, nothing to do with grapes, nothing to do with anything from the vine. Well, he goes walking along and sure enough, a lion attacks him. A lion comes out of nowhere and attacks him. Now, a lot of commentators that I read wanted to make a point about 1 Peter 5, 8 about the devil or adversary walking around like a roaring lion and looking to see who he can devour. And I looked at this and I studied it and I thought about this. You know, but, but when you're where you're not supposed to be, bad things happen. When you're where you're not supposed to be, Satan, the lion, sees you as prey. And he sees you as someone who he can get to, someone who he can cause to compromise. So he attacks. 
bad things happen when you're not in the right place. But the Holy Spirit gives Samson strength to defeat the lion. He rips it apart like a goat with his bare hands. See, this is one of the things the Holy Spirit does, as we talked earlier. It gives us the strength to defeat the plots and ploys of Satan. It gives us the willpower to get rid of him, to defeat him. You know, we think Satan with these fangs, a pitchfork and head. As we mentioned earlier, Satan has been defanged at the cross. He's been defanged at the cross. But he still roars with deceptive lies. He still roars with schemes. And he tries to rob Christians. He tries to rob you and me of our effectiveness from being a Christian. How does he do that? He does that, does that through per, uh, persecution, through temptation. He does that. But the power of the Holy Spirit in us can silence Satan. Can keep him at bay and keep him from attacking us. You see, the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson. Gives him the power to defeat the lion. He does so, but then he continues his rebellious walk. Even though this miraculous happened, did he even think about tearing this lion apart with his bare hands? Did he even stop to think, whoa, what did I just do? I don't know about you, but kitty cat runs after me and I run the other way. A lion, my goodness, a lion comes, he's going to eat me, you know, I'm going to fight him, I guess I have to, but he ripped apart the lion like it was a goat, give me a break. But Samson was determined. He was determined he was on a mission from Satan, not a mission from God. But even in the midst of compromise, the Lord worked to his advantage. The Lord used this. The Holy Spirit is much more in our lives than strength to kill lions and tigers and bears, oh my, I had to say it. The Holy Spirit in our lives gives us the main power. Can someone tell me what the main power of the Holy Spirit gives us? Shout it out. Acts 1, verse 8. He gives us the power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Gives us the power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. He told them to wait until you receive power from on high. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses of me. He didn't say, you're going to do great signs and wonders. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. He said, you will be witnesses of me. And the Holy Spirit comes upon He's the power to witness for Jesus Christ in our lives. I can't witness. I don't know how to witness. Well, maybe you're not relying on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. So in these verses, the woman pleased Samson well. Doesn't necessarily mean she was a good woman for Samson, that he should marry her. It's possible that we could fall in love with someone who is actually wrong for us. We could fall in love with someone who's actually wrong for us. And Proverbs 4.23 says we're supposed to guard or protect our heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. If we don't protect our hearts, we end up in trouble. But Samson overcame this because not only did he have the lust of the eyes, he had the lust of the flesh too. You are when God raised up judges to bring the people of Israel back to himself, he did it in unusual ways. He chose a variety of men and women, strong and timid alike. 
These judges were given tasks to show God's power to the Israelites and the enemy, and God accomplished His goals in an unexpected fashion each time. God can and does use creative ways to reveal who He is, proving that He's the only one who could have made it happen. As you follow God and learn to rely on Him, He will reveal Himself to you as well. It may not be in the ways you'd normally expect, but you can be sure it will be in the way God knows best. Are you praying for God to move in your life? We'd be happy to come alongside you and support you with prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased we're able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each new edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Judges, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to our message today. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word. Pastor Dave will continue to walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges when you join us next time, right here on Assure Hope.